You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. One, two, three, four. Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagon alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting. Andrew Ivins, and a little bit of a drum roll, please, for Chris Hummer, national college football writer, and a guy that's all over the transfer portal as well as he just released his newest edition of the 30 under 30 for 24-7 sports. And Chris, I don't know if your phone's been ringing, but mine has with a lot of disgruntled (laughs) and frustrated uh, personnel people in the college football world. That just means that, hey, you did a good job, right? You did your homework. I'm excited to jump into this. I know Andrew's got a lot of questions as well. But, Chris, it's a it's a great time to be you. Our friend Adam Stanko puts out a tweet the other day. Chris Hummer, we've locked him in. Multi-year deal. Outside of that, Austin, Texas, great place to live. Outside of that, you just got engaged. Outside of that, I asked you, what do you got to do in the next hour? You said, I just got to walk my dog. So, great time to be Chris Hummer. Chris Hummer, welcome to the show, my friend. How are we doing? Doing great, man. Uh, with that lead-in, man, the vibes are just immaculate right now i'm on a podcast <laughs> talking about football football's a month away my dog's asleep and not barking so you know it could be a lot worse hey i have to ask you real quick because it always cracked me up when we went to like we, we made our little shift as a network to youtube programming i remember when they would have you on when you were talking about the transfer portal and in the backdrop you only had like one or two things and it was super bare did they make did they make you change your backdrop yeah, I mean, I might have got one to ten emails from our bosses <laughs> saying that our backdrop needed to improve in multiple calls. So I had a little Texas Rangers uh, like little flag thing up for a long time. That was the bane of Adam Stanko's existence. So I think he is quite thrilled that I've moved on. It looked like my room in like seventh grade, and I mean that with like uh, you know all of that in a in a very positive way. But I I, I love it. <laughs> It looks you like know, because that's, that's what we all like to look back on with positivity <laughs> or seventh grade or seventh grade decorating skills, you know? You know, you know, there's a Twitter account that like rates backdrops, right? It took off during COVID. It'll like if you're I mean, mostly CNN TV stuff, but they would have guests on and they would just rate the backdrop. So Hummer has gone from like a two to an eight, I would say, on a, on a scale of 10. Is this like yeah, maximum golf swings like rating or is it just like more of a neutral thing? I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen the Max Homa deal. What is that? Oh, if you haven't seen Max Homa rate golf swings, he used to do it all the time on Twitter back in the day. It was just fantastic. 
<laughs> All right, Chris. Real reason we got you on is this 30 under 30 list. And it, for those of you who are not familiar with the 30 under 30, you can find that on 247sports.com. Chris, how I, it, it's been around since 2017. Barton Simmons, who obviously used to be the director of scouting at 247 Sports, now the general manager for Clark Lee over at Vanderbilt. How, how long have you had the reins of this? Uh, so it started out as a group effort in 2017. I would say Steve Wiltfong, who obviously is still our director of recruiting, and then Barton Simmons led the way back then. I was kind of helping in the background a little bit. I would say since 2020, 2021 is when I've really taken it uh, full steam ahead. Uh, Steve obviously still helps, and I have help from so many people in this network, including y'all too, while asking around about people. But uh, yeah, it's been kind of my baby the last couple of years, and I think for the most part, we've done a pretty good job. We're always gonna we're always gonna miss some guys, and I'm sure I'll publicly apologize here to the guys that think I missed them this year. And I know there's plenty of guys I did miss on, but we we try to do as good a job as possible as identifying the right thirty every year. Obviously, you got to be under thirty, but how many names are you starting with? Or if it was up to you, like, would you want forty names, fifty names, or like what would what would the cutoff be? I would love to have more names every year. Um, it was brutal going to the last couple this year. Um, I definitely called one of y'all two talking about one of the names that was going through the list with. Um, I have a Google Doc right now where I start with every FBS on-field coach. Um, I start taking nominations for off-field analysts, personnel people. I also go through the FCS and try to identify the right group. So we're talking... 180, 200 names to start with that I'm trying to filter out. So it's a it's a pretty extensive process. Are we are we going to have to start looking at different forms of identification here soon? There's a couple of these guys that I know them personally that I was shocked they're under 30, Chris. Yeah, I I had the same <laughs> feeling. And then there's a couple guys who snuck on at 29 that I thought might have been just over the hill. So it's um it's a difficult thing because you don't even really. I, I usually try to narrow things down with um, graduating dates from college, but even then that's not entirely accurate. So I end up with a much bigger pool because I have to go through and make sure people still qualify. Cause there's a, there's a lot of dudes who've been in the industry forever. Like uh, we had Marshall Charrington from Cal on this list this year. And I feel like he's been in the recruiting space since I was in college. And that was, that was way longer than 10 years ago. I was about so. to say he interned, he interned for me back in 2018 I don't know how that computes, but I mean, even before that, he had he had interned at Cal. Great guy, by the way, does a great job over there. Um, Andrew kind of brought up the age, obviously, how many names you start with. It's on field, obviously, coaches, analysts can meet that criteria, but it's also off field as well, which I really like. The criteria for you, like in in and in terms of being on the media side, how do you really kind of gauge what's what because i'll say this from where i used to sit there was a couple guys that ended up on that list that i was like okay i know these guys know how to market themselves and i'm not taking anything away from them but some guys are not the type of people that are concerned with getting on a 30 under 30 list so the guys that are really banging the table like was there any time in this process or a process in the past where you gotten to the point with maybe one or two recommendations where you're like, you know what, this is kind of a little bit over the top. Maybe this is, maybe I got to look into this a little bit more. How, how do you differentiate on what's real? What isn't to you? 
I usually lean on people I know. Um, for some people, I think their production speaks for itself, um, obviously, especially if you've been a position coach for a couple of years. Like, you don't have to do a lot of checking if a guy's had an all-conference um, linebacker every year plus is recruiting his ass off. Um, like, those guys should deserve to be on the list. And I think you could say the same thing for some people in the per personnel and recruiting space. Like, it's quite clear um, who is running smaller shops or who is finding success at smaller shops so we don't have the resources of an entire department. And, like, throughout the year, people in the industry point to that guy as somebody doing a great job. Um, so from that perspective... Like there's a little bit of checking, but not a lot. But then on a lot of these nominees, I'm making several, several calls about them. Um, and some people are a little more complicated to check than others. But um, a lot of the times it's asking people I trust or asking people who would know uh, how they feel about these people, um, weighing that with their previous production, their previous experiences, um, and the general feel of how people think they'll do long-term and kind of trying to mix that all together. It's, it's not a perfect science. I, I really wish, I really wish it was. I'm somebody who doesn't like a lot of subjectivity. Um, and this list is nothing but subjectivity. So it's difficult to narrow down, but I, I try to do the best I can with the data points that are available. Hey, well, you're the keeper of the list. It, it is your list. So no one can, no one can push back. You would be the expert in this field. I know Cooper wants, and we're going to go through some of the names on here, but, since you have guarded the list the past few years, can you highlight some, I don't know if you'd call them like success stories, but guys that started on this list and are maybe, I don't know, like household names for college football fans or, or some names that would be familiar. Like, hey, this guy was on the list. Look where he is now. Yeah, I mean, we could just go to the 2017 group, which is the first year we did it. Obviously, Kenny Dillingham uh, is the head coach at Arizona State. Um, he is the second head coach we've had come off this list, the first being Scotty Walden um, at Austin P. So we've had two head coaches so far. I would expect several in the future. That 2017 group also included Glenn Schumann, who's the defensive coordinator at Georgia, Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator at Kansas State, and Chris Marv, who's the defensive coordinator at Virginia Tech, uh, a guy like Clint Trickett, who's the offensive coordinator at Marshall, Matt Gieri, who's the defensive coordinator at Indiana, and a lot of other really impactful names. That's just on the coaching side. Um, so that's just the 2017 class alone. I think we're going to have a lot of future head coaches. I'm like scrolling through some notable names in the past. Like Jay Harbaugh was on in 2018. I think he'll be one of several future head coaches from that Michigan staff currently. Grant Newsom's another one at Michigan, who's their tight ends coach. I fully believe he'll be a head coach in the future. We had Joe Brady um, before he blew up at LSU. He was on our list. Tommy Reese, the new Alabama offensive coordinator, was on our list. Um, we've got Rashad Samples, past game coordinator at Arizona State, one of the most respected recruiters in the country. You, you could go on for a while. We've been we've definitely had some misses, but we've also had some home runs in terms of getting on people early. We had a guy named we had Keenan Bailey, who I featured earlier this year. He's now the tight ends coach at Ohio State. We had him back when he was like a 25 year old analyst off the field. Like those are the type of guys that we try to identify early and uh, make sure we're on. Uh, you so pro you, did you profile Keenan yesterday or was that, was that, oh, yeah, he had, I did. Yeah. He was, uh, I think, I think Keenan's interesting cause he's got a, a lot of advice for young coaches um, just because of his unique path. Um, he was still actually a student at Notre Dame when Urban Meyer gave him his first full-time job at Ohio state and he was driving 
three and a half hours back and forth to work a 40 hour weekend and then also do a schoolwork Monday through Thursday. Never um, played football. Yeah, never played football. Um, he's coached every single position for Ohio State off the field on the offensive side of the ball, including offensive line the last couple of years. Uh, and now he's finally getting his uh, chance on the field. And I think a lot of people in the industry think he'll crush it. So um, he's will, a guy we've had on our eye on for a while. I will vouch for Keenan Bailey. He's a big reason why Ohio State is having a ton of success down in South Florida. He's very tied in with those kids. He had one of the greatest quotes I've ever seen saying that uh, I listen to Kodak Black and what what else was it at the end of the story? Like, I'm a... I'm a kid who never played high school football from South, a redhead kid who never played high school, really played much high school football from South Florida, listens to Kodak Black or something like that. It was great. I'll give you one more nugget. I was talking to him recently and he's like, I, I'm drinking out of my green Flanagan's cup. And I'm sure you guys have <laughs> no idea what that is, but it is a South Florida staple. And he says his house up in Columbus, that is the only dishware he's got, Flanagan cups. So Keenan Bailey. Certainly a name to know because, I mean, now he's on field, like you said, and he's going to make some noise on the recruiting trail. Sounds 100%. like a big Wawa guy, Hunter. I think Wawa would have been – Wawa is new to Florida, so I, I don't know if he was in the Wawa space yet. Let me let me Excuse chime me. in here. Let me chime in here with Wawa. First off, you guys don't even know about Wawa. Let me get that started. Wawa is a, a Jersey slash Philly – South Jersey, really, slash Philly thing. Uh is Wawa a thing in Florida? Is that is that yeah. around? I took Cooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a South Jersey. Fill. I don't know about these uh these bogus Wawas in Florida, but uh, it's a South Jersey Philly thing for sure. All right, Lance, you done? You had to chime in on that. Golly. Any All right, we got the Wawa. We got we got the we got the we got the Wawa plug out of the way. I'm surprised we didn't hear Rutgers there. Um. All right, so a very good inaugural list. I mean, some of the names that you listed there, um, very impressive. I, Chris, you, you kind of brought this up before we jumped on here, but you know, I think a good question is, is there one or maybe two guys, and I think that might, might be better suited for you, that you do your research, and not even the 30 names, but maybe the 180, 200, 200 names that you canvas around the country, on on the feedback that you got and you're putting together the puzzle, is there one or two names that you feel that confident about and saying, okay, these are the guys that I'm going to kind of hitch my wagon to that I, I think can be a head coach down the line? Off the 2023 list? Correct. Um, well, I mean, it sounds it sounds weird to say about a 24-year-old, but I had multiple people I really respect tell me Garrett McGuire would be a head coach in the next um, – Maybe not the next three years. He's 24, but um, down the line pretty quickly. Um, obviously, I mean, you could say what you want about his last name and how that factors into it. It certainly helps. But um, I think I think you need to point out that he's. You got to point out he's Joey McGuire. Yeah, he's he's Joey McGuire. Sorry, I'm in Texas. That's a given. If you hear the last name McGuire, I apologize. National podcast here. Yeah, he's Joey McGuire's son. Texas Tech head coach. Texas Tech's head coach. Garrett McGuire is now the wide receivers coach at Nebraska. Um, I was pretty skeptical going in, um, a lot of times, especially with younger 24 year olds and 25 year olds in consideration for this list, they wait, but I was told by multiple people, like you need to have him on there. He's that good. Um, I had somebody tell me he used to, he used to with the Carolina Panthers, just get on the board with the offensive line coaches for hours, um, and break down like protection schemes and everything else, which is 
pretty unusual uh, for a wide receivers coach. And he was also working with guys like DJ Moore and had a lot of success relating to them as a younger guy. Um, but more than anything, I just, I think everybody I talked to just says he kind of has it. Uh, and over the long term, like I, I fully expect him to be a head coach. Um, as for another name this year that could be a head coach, I think there's several guys I would consider on this list. I think um, Taylor Polk at Troy, um, who's their co-defensive coordinator, has a really, really good shot at being a head coach down the line. The feedback on him was really strong. Um, I'll be curious how Cam Martin's careers goes, but if he can recruit this way and continue to coach the way he has at UCF, I think down the line, he might be a head coach as well. We have a couple head coaches on this list specifically already. Um, I would also throw in Mac Leftwich, Texas State's offensive coordinator. Um, the feedback on him has been unbelievably strong. Um, he was a guy that was a high school offensive coordinator a couple of years ago. Took a GA job at Incarnate Word with Eric Morris. Eric Morris liked him so much that he was on the field within like eight months. Um, then GJ Kenny kept him around when he got the Incarnate Word job and GJ liked him so much that he hired him as his OC after basically one and a half interviews uh, with other people. So um, the feedback on him is immensely strong. I think long-term you'll see, uh, you'll see Mac as a head coach down here in the Lone Star State at some point. A couple names that I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about it myself because there are a couple names on here with guys that, you know, I've had uh, some, some crossover with Marshall, uh, Charrington, who we talked about earlier, you know, worked with at Washington, great personality, um, was at USC briefly and then came back to work back with Justin Wilcox. Uh, and that was a huge addition for the Bears. The other name on this list, Chris, that I'm interested to get your take on is Jake Costner at, at Central Michigan. He was actually a student assistant when I was at Michigan there in 2017. Uh and it was just a guy, he he just had that energy. He was always in the building. And he was a lot older than he actually was. And you're like sitting there. I think I was like 23, 24. And you're like, man, this guy's got to, he's running laps around everybody, you know. And then McElwain, obviously the connection there. Now he's the quarterback coach. Like I looked up, he was OC at Limestone, right? Yep, and then all of a sudden, quarterback coach at Central Michigan. He's he, he's all of what twenty four years old as well. Yeah, I think 25? I think he actually just turned twenty five. But yeah, um, so Jake's the guy. I I called around, I called around asking about other names, um, twice actually, um, to different coaches I respect. And Jake is a guy at the end of calls where I'd be like, "Hey, is there anybody else you'd bring up?" I had people just like bring him up out of the blue. And Jake was Jake was certainly somebody I was considering. Like, I mean, he's the quarterbacks coach at Central Michigan at 25. Um, but the feedback on him was unbelievable. I have a quote from Tom Herman in the story about Jake. They worked together for a year at Texas. Um, he was with Steve Sarkeesian for a year as well before going to Limestone last year. And I think the Limestone story is fascinating, man. So basically, Tom Herman pushed him for that job. Jake wasn't really 100% sure if he'd take it. And Tom was like, Jake, you, you got to go, man. Like, call plays. Like, this is a career opportunity for you at 23, 24. And Jake made the dive. And for those of you not familiar with limestone football, and I'm, I'm sure there might be several thousand of you listening to this, they were 0 and 9 in 2021. So they got there, and the infrastructure was nothing, basically. Um, there were four full time head coaches and an office that was like 
the size of the office I'm sitting in now, trying to work and fix that program, put it back together. And by the end of the season, Limestone, I believe, went eight and three in the regular season and made the playoffs the first time in program history. Um, I mean, Jake was obviously not the only guy on that staff, Jake Costner, but he was the play caller for that team. And they made that big of an impact in a short time. And I think Jake Costner had a lot to do with that. And just talking to people around college football, I think Jake Costner has a really good chance to have an outsized impact on Central Michigan this year, specifically, even as the quarterback's coach. I think he'll have a pretty decent sized say on that offense. And he is a guy long-term that I feel really good that's going to be a power five offensive coordinator uh, pretty quickly. And I mean, there's a lot of, I, like we said before, like there's a lot of potential future head coaches on this list. He would certainly be one. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about him. I'm excited about Tyler Osborne as well. Good buddy of mine that I worked with at university of Washington. You talk about a guy that's been around the game his entire life. His dad, uh, obviously a position coach for the majority of his career, at the University of Oregon, grew up around ball, knows ball, hitches his wagon to Troy Taylor. They they make the jump right all the way from the FCS to Stanford. Now all of a sudden you look up, he's the number one recruiter in the Pac-12. Kind of crazy, right? But that's another name. Uh, Chris, are there some other names maybe not in the FBS or Division One realm that kind of get your attention? I got one I want to ask you about. I want to pick your brain because uh, I was reading this list and I was – Kind of shocked to see it. Uh, let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. Devon Brown, defensive yeah. backs coach at Western Kentucky. Yeah. Florida Atlantic grad. I remember him playing for the Owls when they won a conference USA title under Lane Kiffin. I had no idea he was an on-field assistant. What do we need to know about him? Well, Devon he's, Brown. Um... He's, he's originally from the, the Belle Glade area, which is an area you want to have the ends in when it comes to recruiting. Yeah, super, super dynamic recruiter. And if you've ever met Devon Brown, like he just has one of those personalities that just he's like a he's like an eight volt battery of a person. Like he talks more quickly than most people I've ever met. Um, and it's just one of those people who can relate to pretty much anybody. Um, he started out his coaching career, I believe, off field as a GA with Lane Kiffin at FAU. Um, he was on the field at Geneva College. I think he might have even been a GA at Geneva College in 2020 small school during the pandemic. And then he took a GA role with Ole Miss in 2021. And he had a huge part in coaching that room in 2021. Um, I think he kind of ran that room at times, like for various reasons during that season. And then in 2022, when Marquise Watson, another former name on this list left for the Rutgers job, he got the head analyst job on the defensive side of the ball. And Lane Kiffin came super close to hiring Devon Brown this offseason as his full-time defensive backs coach at 25 um, ended up going in another direction, wanting a bit more experience. But when Western Kentucky was filling their DB job, um, Lane Kiffin stumped super hard for Devon Brown to get that job. Tyson Holton and uh, Lane Kiffin obviously go back a long time uh, to their time out in California. And I think that was taken with a lot of respect on that side. And he hired Devon Brown pretty quickly. I've heard he crushed the interview and, People just rave about his potential long-term. Um, we, I, I know we're talking a lot about other younger guys on this list. And usually um, usually I try to make guys wait a little bit before they get on, especially if they don't have any on-field production before. But Devon Brown is just a name I felt so good about that um, I think he needed to be on this list this year. I think he's going to be a stud long-term. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Chris, were there one or two names that when you when you had to submit this, were you like, man, I wish I would have got that person on? Like I, This year? You know, you, you yeah, I mean, you talked about it. I mean, you're going from 200 to 30, right? I mean, there's got to be a handful of handful of people on there that you think, man, I wish I could have found maybe a spot or two for this guy. And I guess what I would say here is like, if there is great, if there isn't, that's okay too. But is, you know, here's an opportunity for you to maybe highlight, Hey, a couple guys that I really like and names that you should look out for. So when people are revisiting this in a couple of years, we can go back to this podcast and you can say, hold on, hold on. Maybe I didn't have them on the list, but I did like this person. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot. I don't know if this is going to get me yelled at more, though. Appreciate it. But, um, <laughs> well, you like, can take it whatever way you want to go. No, yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you a couple of names. Um, so the first one was a guy named Cam Blankenship. He's the offensive line coach at New Mexico. He was at UAB last year, had a really good O line group, um, was right on the cusp of getting on the list. Um, I think you could argue he should have been on the list. Um, he was a late, late discussion for me. Um, there was, if you talk about off-field anal- or off-field guys, um, Will Myers, the DPP at Georgia, um, has a very strong argument to be on this list. So I can understand why um, a lot of people would have had him on the list. I just had some really tough calls on that side of the ball or on that side of the uh, sport to figure out. Yeah, you only had what? You, you only reserve how many per personnel? Yeah, like max three or four. Um, I think we had four this year. Um so that, that was a really tough um, cut for me. Uh, there's a guy named um, Jacob Maloney. He's an off-field guy for Oklahoma. He was with Brent Venables at Clemson. He's kind of, like I've been told, he's Brent Venables' right-hand man. I came very close to having him on the list. I think he's a on-field coach pretty soon or chief of staff down the line. Feedback was super strong on him. Um. There, I mean, there are several others. Like, um, there's a player personnel analyst at Florida named Joe Hamilton. Um, but I think a lot of people in the media space know. Um, he does an amazing job there. Um, one of the top um, off-field recruiters in the state of Texas that I'm familiar with. Um, I had a hard time leaving him off, but there's just some, so many deserving DPPs and like directors of scouting and directors recruiting. I couldn't fit him on. Um, there's also, frankly, like a lot of um, dynamic women and recruiting that I maybe should have had on the list this year that play a and, huge role. And you got um, two of them on works. Two um, of them th- this year, right? You got Katie Turner she, from Florida. She's back. And then who was the other one? Um, so Katie Turner was back. Um, these are previous years um, inductees. We didn't have any new nominees that were women this year. And I, I think you could strongly argue we should have. And then the other one was Casey um Stangrill, who was with Barton Simmons at um Vanderbilt she was I think the first female director of operations in the SEC and she's now the assistant AD for women's sports at Nevada so she's on the long-term AD track but um yeah I mean there's a there's a ton of people I wish I could have got on the list this year um it's it's not a it's not a perfect 
recipe by any means, but we, uh, we do our best. Chris, you sound like Andrew and I when we explain our rankings. <laughs> Everything, every time I come out on the podcast, when we have a rankings update, the first thing I say is it's an imperfect process. And yes, there are a lot of like objective data points that kind of guide, I would guess, your intuition. But at the end of the day, it's subjective, right? The way that you see it. Another question I had, Chris, is in 2017, you guys, I believe, had some creatives on there right mm -hmm. i want like to me that's so so fast i feel like i just need it those people are so paramount to the overall success of a program and i think it would blow people's minds how many coaches have day-to-day -day interaction and their hands involved when it comes to the creative process and social media branding and those those people are not people just to overlook. And I, obviously, I'm not talking about you. I mean, that's that's just another another faction of the off field support staff um, that is yeah. really relied upon. Absolutely, and like that's the thing here. So when we first started this list in 2017, to give people a little background on this process, I think there were maybe maybe 10 or 15 on field coaches under 30. So this was. 2017 doesn't sound like that long ago, but there at the time, there were only nine on-field assistants. Like we hadn't expanded to 10 yet, or maybe we were just going to. There were fewer FBS programs and the sport, frankly, wasn't as difficult to deal with. Um, the transfer portal didn't really exist or didn't exist, frankly, in 2017. Um, recruiting time demands were less, like you didn't have official visits during the summer. Um, I don't even know if there was an early signing period in 2017. I might be getting my years confused. It was just that, like a... It was that would a have been like thing. Year, year one, I think. Yeah. So the industry is really aggressively trended younger. Um, so back then, I think maybe 10, 15 max on-field coaches under 30. I think we're well over 70 into the 80s in 2023 um, on the FBS level. Um, and then you throw in expanded scouting departments and expanded personnel departments expanded creative departments like as we talked about earlier there's like well over like 150 to 200 people under consideration for this list every year it just you have a really hard time narrowing it down you still want to highlight coaches obviously because that's that's kind of the meat of this that's why we started it but yeah there are just so many deserving aspects of um departments including like you could make an argument athletic directors should be on this list like some athletic directors who play an outside role like the assistant 80s for football um you could argue that GMs like should be on here more frequently because of the uh, importance of scouting and managing that side. Like there's, there's a ton of people I wish we could get on here and we're, co I'm consistently striving to do better and have a better balance. But um, yeah, like I said, we, we do our best. Chris, have you noticed now that you've done this for a few years, maybe some head coach that has had more guys kind of show up on this list from his tree or he hires these guys and I'm assuming like Kirby smart and, and Nick Saban would be at the top, but is there like anyone under the radar where they are consistently finding risers that are in the industry and, and giving them a chance or, or hiring young guys? Is there anyone that jumps out that falls into that pool? That's an interesting question. Um, well, I would say overall we've had more former Ohio state GAs and off field people anybody else um and perhaps but i mean like they've all been pretty successful like guys like billy six billy billy fessler who's the offensive coordinator at akron uh keenan bailey 
Corey Dennis was on our list back in the day before I think he was even on the field. Um, those guys I, had a lot of success from that Urban Meyer tree. I, We've had I, a lot of Matt Campbell guys on this list before. It, it seems um, like younger Joe Moorhead's Joe Moorhead's first staff at Akron, right? I think that's yeah. Three. Joe had three uh, thirty under thirty guys last year. Um, one of whom, Winston, um, is at Minnesota as a defensive line coach now. Um, another one, Trey Bell, who's their defensive backs coach, who I, I don't think will be at Akron forever. Um, he's going to be a he's future. plugged into, into Georgia when it comes to recruiting. Yeah. He'll be a future. Um, he'll be a future SEC or even Big Ten um, position coach on the field. I think he's come very close on those before. So yeah, I, I really sorry. I wish I had more time to sit down and think about that. But yeah, there there are definitely some trees that like sprout, and there's a lot of coaches when they say something um, to me about this that I pay a lot of attention to. Um, I think we've had several former Cincinnati and Wisconsin guys. We had several Wisconsin guys this year because I think Luke Fickle does that good of a job identifying young coaches. Um, there's several. There's definitely several Ole Miss coaches on there. I think Lane Kiffin has done a great job bringing young guys into this room. Both of his offensive coordinators, both of his co-offensive coordinators are former 30 under 30 guys. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess it wouldn't surprise you that the some of the coaches that you're most familiar with are bringing in some of the best young staffers. But, um, yeah, I'm going to get off this podcast and I'm going to I'm going to come up with a name that I should have included. But there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of trees that we tend to pick from. All right. Well, one more Charlie. question. Sorry not to cut yeah. you off. Uh, Go ahead, Drew. You reference this matrix analytical, their coaching ratings index. Can you just shed some light on what that is? Because I this was the first time I think I'd heard about it. Yeah, so read um, about it. Dave Bartu runs that service. Um, they're used by a lot of coaching, or they're used by a lot of uh, 80s and then search firms as they conduct coaching searches basically it's a tool in which they try to do what i do subjectively analytically so they plug in a lot of data points and they identify the best coaches in the country based on production on the field um i think they're trying to integrate more recruiting stuff into that as well to kind of come up with the best list of coaches available and i think over the long term it's a really interesting tool to track a coach's career because it really just black and white who's best Brandon Marcello, our colleague, published a series of articles a couple of weeks ago talking about the best coaches in the country. And he was actually using Matrix Analytical's data to come up with that list to try to take the subjectivity out of it. And I think some of the names would have surprised you. So for 30 under 30, um, I think it's very interesting. It is a little tougher because a lot of these coaches under 30 don't have a lot of data points to pull from on the field. But so... We included a guy named Brandon Napoleon on this list this year. He's Rhode Island's defensive backs coach. He's had a path that I don't think anybody is particularly familiar with, several D2 and D3 schools. But he's been on the field for, I think, going on his fourth season now. And he and their system is considered a rising superstar because of the data and the way he's coached those guys and the production he's had. For example, he was at Sacred Heart last year, and they allowed the fewest yards per game, passing, passing yards per game of any team in the FCS. And he's had several All-American and All-Conference players at his stops. I'll be curious to track how that data plays out long-term with somebody like Brandon. But when you couple that data with some of the feedback I got on him as a recruiter and as a coach, 
and some of the places he's interviewed and been considered at before, like I felt really good about putting him on the list. And I think matrix analytical long-term will be a tool that a lot more schools and search firms use as they try to figure out a way to make this a little less subjective in hiring coaches. I mean, it sounds like pro football focus for the hiring process, right? I mean, it, not, not all of it is you don't go to PFF and say, okay, we're going to make a decision on who we're going to take out of the transfer portal based on their PFF grade, but it's a start, right? It, it tells you, hey, based off the analytics and the data that we have available, this is where this list should start. And like you said, the subjectivity part kind of comes into it. That's a pretty fascinating idea. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, every – team in the FBS or power five is soon uh, kind of piggybacking on that. Cause that seems like a great tool. All I was going to say earlier, Drew, before you ask your question, is it uh, like, has Charlie Weiss jr. Been on this list since he was like 16. I think Charlie Weiss jr. Was on this. I mean, I think 24, maybe when he was with Kiffin at FAU. Was How old is he now? Did he age out yet? I think he's 31 now, man, which makes me feel old. Cause he was super young uh, <laughs> when he first got on there, but yeah. Um, he is. He was. He was on this list very early. Um, it was actually like pretty big consideration point when we talked about it initially. Like we did with Garrett McGuire. Like wondering if we should put him on because like we all we're always conscientious of nepotism. But I mean, obviously, like Lane Kiffin's taking him with him to every stop basically for a reason, and he's now a pretty successful offensive coordinator in the SEC. And I think he'll, one day he'll be a head coach. It blew my mind when I was reading this article that Gary McGuire was 24, I was recently at a, um, at a, uh, agency summit down in Florida where Gary McGuire was. And that is not somebody who carries himself like he's younger than 25 at all. So I think he, you kind of hit it on the head there, uh, and calling your shot. Obviously if you get well, around his dad at all, I mean, what a magnetic personality he is. So if he's got a little bit of that on top of the X's and O's, he's, He's got a strong formula there. It freaks me out because his dad and Garrett sound extraordinarily similar. It's kind of like Lincoln Riley and his brother, um, Garrett. Like they sound like if you heard them talk, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Um, there's a little bit of that with Garrett McGuire and Joey. Joey's a, just a little, a little more impassioned when he talks, just as naturally. But Garrett, uh, Garrett definitely has a presence to him if you talk to him. Drew, that's all I got. Any more questions out of you, Bob? No. Uh, who on this list is going to be hired to a? A P five. Give me, give me one name like that's going to be a position coach. I, I think Cam Martin, the UCF running backs coach, is kind of like a rising star. Yeah, I mean Cam Martin's going to. I mean, yeah, I guess technically he's already not technically. They're in the Big Twelve now, so he's a well, P five yeah. position coach. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> I I think he'll be. I think Gus Melzahn's going to have to hold on as tight as he can to keep Cam Martin around for the long term. We mentioned Devon Brown earlier. He's going to be a P5 um, guy. I think Quinshaw Davis, Georgia State's wide receivers coach, is going to be a P5 guy. Well, you you nailed quickly. you nailed Marcus Davis uh, yep. last year, going from Georgia Southern to Auburn, and we talked about it on the last podcast. He's got Perry Thompson, five star wide receiver. I only brought up Cam Martin because last night I was at I was at Publix and uh, I there's ran into. Yeah, there's a Florida staple. I ran into Stacy Gage, UCF's running back commit, and your story had just come out. And I was like, hey, your your guy Cam Martin's on there. And he's like, yeah, that's one of the main reasons why I'm going to, to UCF. So he definitely checks the box as a recruiter. Yeah, Mark, Marcus Davis and Cam Martin are basically, they're very, very close, like best friends. So I, I would not see, be surprised. I mean, GJ Kenny had Cam Martin on his Texas State staff for like two months before 
um, before Gus took him away. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Martin's on an SEC staff here in the next year or two for sure. And Kenny Drew, was Kenny on this list or no? At one point, he wasn't. That's that's one of the big regrets. He had just gotten back into college football when he would have last qualified for this like five years ago. I think he was an analyst at SMU, and uh, that's one of those ones where I kind of wish. I'd, uh, I, we had gotten on him a little earlier. There's several There's several of those guys that are like 33, 34 that I'm going to regret missing on for a long time. But uh, hopefully we'll get the next G.J. Kenny. Hey, man, you get better by, you know, going back, evaluating your misses, studying your studying your game a little bit. Drew, you're going to have some uh, some some angry UCF fans after the Power 5 comment. That's all right. I know. I didn't mean it like that. Like, But I think the running back position – like these coaches be- can be quickly become kind of like staples. Uh, look at uh, Tarshard Choice at at Texas. Like once they get a few big running backs, and like those running backs have success, like you can end up at one of these these uh, maybe blue blood would have been a better better term to use there. And then uh, you're kind of set, right? Yeah, and I, I will say about Tarshard Choice and Cam Martin uh, specifically. Um, like these are guys that like long term. I don't think they'll just be running backs coaches either. Um, I think both of them, especially like Cam, especially who I know um, pretty decently, I think has the ability to coach multiple positions long term. Like I think the coaches that have worked with them rave about him schematically, and um, I think both of those guys like long term. Like we saw Stan Drayden leave Texas and become Temple's head coach. Um, have the ability to do more than just coach running backs for the long term. But either way, like I think both of those guys will be long-term staples in this industry, like you said, Andrew. Once you get a reputation as a running back developer, um, it's hard to shake that. All right, I got one more to, one more to ask you about. Uh, Elite Terry, offensive line coach at Oregon. I texted you about him. He was already on the list. I think he's a name, depending on what happens – in the big three over the years, like he's a, I remember him as a recruit. I covered his recruitment and he, and he went to wake forest and then he was at Hawaii worked for Mario Cristobal at Miami. Bottom line was, is what I'm getting to is one of when one of the big three needs an offensive line coach. I think he would make a ton of sense just given his ties to the state and what he's been able to do in, in, in such a short amount of time. Yeah, I mean the feedback. I I don't did we have I don't know if we had him as GA or when he just got to Hawaii a couple of years ago, but the feedback on Elite Terry was unbelievable uh, the first time around. Um, and I think he's the number two recruiter in the Pac-12 right now overall. Uh, so he is definitely a guy long term that I think is going to be. Uh, I mean, he's already a big time offensive line coach he's at Oregon. I would say that's one of the ten best offensive line jobs in the country. Uh, but I, I'd be shocked if he didn't keep climbing. Um, he's a dude. I'll, I'll give it to Dan Lanning on that hire, too, because, you know, Leek Terry was under Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal, right, in a previous regime, leaves, goes to Hawaii for one year, and then when that vacancy comes open, Dan Lanning has the presence of mind to kind of, one, I, I would assume, rely on his locker room and a really good, formidable offensive line that he had with a, a, a ton of veterans in that group to bring back a leak Terry, who is one of the best, regardless of age, experience, whatever, in terms of relating to the players. And just a genuine, authentic dude. And I think he's a hell of a coach, too. I mean, he, he got his master's degree from Cristobal and Mirabal, two guys that are really good at coaching that position. So I, th- I think it's a beautiful fit for him, too. Hey, 
real quick, Cooper, on that. Sorry, I just want to note that like a part of the research sometimes for us is talking players and like their families because like that matters how you relate to these people and how you can relate to recruits. And I remember talking to Penny Sewell and his family about Elite Terry a couple years ago, and they just could not stop raving about him. Not only as a like as a coach and a person who relates to them, but as a technical teacher. Um, so like that that's another data point that we do consider sometimes. Like I, I know like. At the end of the day, you can't take the word of a player 100% like on how good a coach is because you're usually going to speak up for your guy. But like there's a there's a certain amount of cachet that comes with being a player's coach and somebody that a player will go out of their way to rave about. And um, Malik Terry was one of those guys. And I'm surprised he's not at Miami already, to be honest <laughs> with you. Just the way they just the way they think about him, Drew, you kind of talked about his background. He's got got a great opportunity at Oregon, so um, it started as, started as a true freshman at Wake Forest. I'll never forget. There you I go. Wonder, where, where, what are we at him ranked? Save save that for another pot. Chris Hummer of Twenty Four Seven Sports. We appreciate you coming on with us, man. And guys, if you want to uh, look more into the Thirty Under Thirty, like I said, that article is currently on Twenty Four Seven Sports dot com. Also, make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast. Apple, Spotify included. A lot of great podcasts, a lot of good guests like Chris Hummer himself. For Andrew Ivins and Chris Hummer, I'm Cooper Patagno. We'll see you tomorrow.